Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello, hello, and welcome to a dreary Monday, it being October 15th. The warmest day for the for a long, long time. We're heading into the deep freeze, guys. Anyway, I want to start with something that is not political at the moment, uh, but something that has always fascinated me. Those of you who listen to my meandering thoughts uh, know full well that I am exceedingly concerned about uh, the speed with which technology is uh, taking over uh, the lives of us mere humans and particularly about uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, Stephen Hawking, uh, the brilliant physicist who, uh, who died this year, right? I think, early this year, had a, a book that he had been working on up until his death that will, in fact, be published on Tuesday. Notice how I said Tuesday. I learned that in theater school. I had to go to speech class there, and I was told that the correct pronunciation of that day of the week was Tuesday, like T-Y-U, Tuesday. I'm sure it sounds annoying to anybody. Anyway, Stephen Hawking, got a book coming out. Uh, and it's called uh, Brief Answers to the Big Questions, sort of a play on his best-selling uh, book, A Brief History of uh, Time, which my mother read, which blew me away at the time. I wouldn't even attempt any book written by a physicist at any rate. Brief Answers to the Big Questions is the book coming out on Tuesday. And uh, there were some excerpts from it printed in the Sunday Times of London. And I got to tell you, you know I've been saying for a long time that uh, humanity, being so brilliant, would, uh, you know, would think its way into extinction uh, through essentially s having to become cyborgs, having to lose our humanity to retain any uh, ability to compete with artificial intel intelligence. I'm here to tell you he's got an equally nightmarish <laughs> view. It's always nice to have an ally like Stephen Hawking on your side. Uh, I'll just give you a few for instances. In the book he says that humanity is entering uh, a new phase of what uh, he calls self-designed evolution, which is what I have said. If Darwin could come back, he would say, good God, <laughs> it never occurred to me that a species could take control of its own evolution. 
self-designed evolution, says Hawking. And initially, he says, this will lead to a lot of really nice things. You know, we're going to be able to fiddle with our DNA. We already are. We have now mapped it, uh, which he says it means now that we can read the book of life and we can start writing in and editing it. And that's wonderful because certain genetic defects that cause muscular dystrophy and, and other diseases can be eradicated. We can start controlling uh, those genes, make simple corrections uh, in utero. But it ain't going to stop there. And uh, humanity has never showed any ability to control <laughs> itself <laughs> when it comes to trying out stuff. Hey, I wonder if I put this in here and move that around there. It's just a given. So he said all of this will, as it already is, be outpacing our legal system, uh, our political systems, our social systems. We're not going to have, and we will not, and still and don't at this point, have the kinds of ability uh, in place to slow this down. And he said, even though there are going to be attempts to pass laws that would restrict <laughs> genetic engineering, um, and ain't going to stop it. Because some people, especially scientists, will not be able to resist the temptation to see if they can end disease, if they can lengthen the human lifespan, double, triple it. And he said this is a given, and it will yield what he calls in the book superhumans. I call them cyborgs. He calls them superhumans. And in fact, when I'm talking cyborgs, I'm imagining us implanting devices. He's talking just about how you get to a whole different kind of humanity simply through genetic modification. Um, but he said once you get this a small class, elitist class of superhumans, that means that most of the world is going to be populated by what he calls unimproved humans. That's like people like us. We're unimproved. Here we are. And he said the unimproved humans are going to be, God knows, that remains to be seen. What happens to them, they could die out. They certainly will become unimportant. And understand, this will be the majority of humans on Earth. So Hawking, these are the thoughts he had as he neared his end. He envisions a, a race of self-designed beings who continue to improve themselves at ever-increasing rates. 
And he really goes off saying eventually these, uh, you know, these self-designed superhumans will probably um, leave this polluted earth to us unimproved humans and uh, go out and colonize other planets. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Who will these superhumans be? Well, he's quite straightforward about who they'll be. They'll come from the 1%. So the wealthy will be able to afford this. And the wealthy will edit their own and their children's DNA. Um, they will own their DNA. And... I got to tell you, that means they're going to own everything. If you think they do now, ha! And he says, well, this is, the book shows that he's particularly worried, was particularly worried, that the promise of artificial intelligence, you know, the possibility of eradicating disease, eradicating poverty, would blind the scientists working in it. Um, and it will be, it will definitely happen that humans will lose control over the growth of artificial intelligence. And here's a quote from his book. One can imagine such technology outsmarting financial markets, out-inventing human researchers, out-manipulating human leaders, and potentially subduing us with weapons that we cannot even understand. <coughs> Whereas, Hawking goes on, the short-term impact of AI depends on who controls it. The long-term impact depends on whether it can be controlled at all. And he, again, what I think anyone with half a brain realizes that artificial intelligence will become able to improve itself without our puny assistance and will consequently amass an intelligence that far exceeds ours. In fact, Hawking says artificial intelligence will be able to amass power through data that exceeds ours by more than ours exceeds snails. He, he doesn't know, but he says it's inevitable, almost inevitable, 
that either a nuclear confrontation or environmental catastrophe will cripple the earth. Um, he also deals with God, the existence of God, and he says, if you like, you could call the laws of science God, but it wouldn't be a personal God that you would meet and put questions to. And strangely, after all of that frightening stuff, he says that the biggest uh, danger to the planet is not us. It's collision with an asteroid. <laughs> so, there you go. I just wanted to tell you. I feel, I mean, it's terrifying, but... I think it's pretty damn obvious, and uh, it's. I th think most people really have trouble thinking about it because it is so frightening <coughs> that life as we know it will cease to exist in the relatively near future. Talking a hundred years, two hundred years, three hundred years. I don't know what I'm talking. These superhumans will be here certainly within a hundred years. And I'll be dead, but even if I weren't, I wouldn't be one of them. Nor would I suspect any of you. Which would make us little more than what? <laughs> That's going to be us. So, I thought we'd start out our Monday with that bit of information. You know who will get to be a superhero? Human, somebody like Trump. <laughs> Dear God, like the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Like Bernard Adelson or Sheldon Adelson. Like these despicable human beings that have the money will be able to ensure that their line, which they will be able to improve, will continue. The rest of us? <laughs> Little Tony says, I'm describing the movie Gattaca? In 19... Well, I'm sure there's science fiction movies that of course say this stuff because I think we've seen that generally science fiction movies are pretty good, <laughs> pretty good at predicting um, where we're heading. Uh... And Tony says, I'm hoping that it remains sci-fi and that I'm gone from this world before all this happens. I suspect you will be. I think we had a caller call in right at the top. So if there's, are they still there? Intrepid caller. Go ahead. Hello? Hello. Hello, Lynn? Yes. Um, can I offer some constructive criticism before I get to my point? Oh, okay. Okay. I called up a couple weeks ago. It was like 1040. You had no one on the line. You're talking about getting involved, and you never took my call. It seems like you don't pay a lot of attention to people that are on hold. So if you could pay a little more attention to people well, on hold, it would be appreciated. Okay, I'm but to be nice me, and constructive about this. Okay, and let me just be a little constructive, too. For you to call okay. literally in the first two minutes of the show when I'm clearly setting up a topic I want to talk about, um, you are interrupting 
my ability. To... I didn't complain. I didn't complain about today. I talked about two weeks ago. I get that. I get what you're saying today. Okay. I get that. Then we're cool. Okay. okay. Fair enough. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to my point. Um, you talked about getting involved, and this is what I want to talk about. And it's not going to be me, so don't send the FBI to my house. But a couple things. I love Michelle Obama, but it was brought up recently where Eric Holder, the former attorney general, you know, Eric, right. Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. And Eric Holder recently came out and said, when they go low, we kick them. Right. And I love Michelle Obama, but it's time for the Democrats to stop being nice. It's time to fight fire with fire. And what I mean by that is I'm sure you remember before the 2016 election where all the right-wingers thought Hillary was going to win. These right-wing militia people, we're going to take up arms. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Well, if the Democrats don't take back the House in November, it's time to take up arms on the side of the left. And it's time to go after people like Brett Kavanaugh and Trump and all the rest. It's you know This country started with a revolution, and for us to get back to any kind of decency in this country, it may take that again. I, I hate to say that. Like I said, it's not going to be me. I'm 60 years old. So like I said, don't send the FBI to my house because I'm not going after anybody. But younger people. But you're advocating the assassination of, like, Brett Kavanaugh? Okay, doesn't want to answer. I'm. I mean, I was with you till you started targeting people for death. <laughs> I mean, if it comes to a shooting war, I'll shoot at my enemies, but I'm not gonna start assassinating people. And by the way, Democrats doesn't have it. They don't have it in them. They don't have it in them. They don't even have it in them to fight tough. Uh, with uh, within the f framework of uh, of polit of the political game. So we have another caller. Far be it for me to leave them hanging. Hello. No, we're, we're having a little problem. So maybe we lost him. Okay, little problem with the <laughs> shocking. A little problem with the phones. Well, speaking of the way Republicans uh, do politics and don't seem to suffer for it at all, uh, whereas any time a Democrat even so much as, you know, looks askew at somebody, the Republicans hit back like uh, we've, you know, committed an atrocity. Uh, they're, they're amazing. They do know how to... I don't know that I want us to be like them, but I know we have to keep them from winning. Is my initial caller on? These are two new callers. Okay, I'm, I'm coming to the phones. Hello, caller, go ahead. Hello, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, Hello? yeah, hi. Hello? Caller, you're on, up. Hello? Hello, do you hear me? Oh, something ain't right. Okay, well, if at any point a caller uh, hears me, speak up. Um, Scott Wagner, have you heard the name? Hey, he's running to be the governor of Pennsylvania, Republican. 
I don't know if you saw it or not, but he put out a little video, <laughs> I think, this weekend. Um, did you see it? He's standing there outdoors, and here's the line that was particularly interesting. He's addressing the, his opponent, the Democratic uh, current governor, Tom Wolf, and he says this. Governor, let me tell you, between now and November 6th, you'd better put a catcher's mask on your face because I'm going to stomp all over your face with golf spikes because I'm going to win this for the state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lovely image. <laughs> you better get yourself a face mask, a catcher's mask, because I'm going to stomp all over your face with golf spikes. Thus spake Scott Wagner, who wants to be your governor. Uh, Paul writes, we have two callers and you think it's fixed? <laughs> Hang on. Let's give this another shot. Caller, go ahead. Hi, Lynn. That's how I think it worked. It did. Hi. How you doing? Hi there. Hi. Now you got two people on again. Yes. Hello? You got two I think you got two callers on again, Lynn. You mean there's two callers on me? at this Yes. But you Okay. This is Yeah, there's another guy on also. There's two of us on. Wow. Well, the other caller Hello, other guy. Yeah, the other guy, can somebody else speak up and see if we can hear you? Okay, well, I'm here. This is Dave from Washington. Yeah. Why do you think there's another caller on with you? Because I can hear him. I can hear somebody else saying, hello, hello. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, there's a, like it's a three-way party line. Okay. Well, Anyways, you can, you can hear me okay, right? Yes, and I can't hear that other caller, so go ahead. Okay. Hey, one thing that we've learned in this Trump era is assholes win. So, yeah, we've got to quit taking the high road. It does not do us a lick of good. We feel good about it. We, I mean you, Democrats, I'm not a Democrat. I refuse to join the stupid party because they're idiots. I vote for them every time, but I refuse to join their party for this very reason. They are a bunch of losers, frankly, yeah, I when think it comes so to too. getting elected. They're good at governing, but they're horrible at getting elected. Right, right. Assholes win. Trump has shown us that. Um, <laughs> this guy with the face mask and the golf shoes, that, that ad is going to bring him 5,000 votes he otherwise would not have had. <laughs> Because there's a section of uh, the population that just loves that crap. And, you know, if, uh, I'm not saying we've got to start. We had that caller just, you know, threaten assassinating Supreme Court justices or, or armed rebellion. I'm not going that far. But we've got to quit being a bunch of babies about this <clears throat> and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, fight back. And if it means we've got to get rude and disgusting and a little bit immature, fine, do it. If that's what it takes, call them out for being an asshole. And use the word. Feel free. What the heck? Is, uh, this is the Trump era. You know, everything goes now, especially if you're angry and you're speaking from the heart, then it's all okay. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just going to be in the same boat again. Who's going to be Trump in 2020? Who? Biden? Hell no. Fuck Biden. I mean, I love Joe Biden, but he's not going to be president <laughs> of the United States. No. He's not going to be Trump. Who's going to be Trump? Warren? No. 
no, Elizabeth Warren's not going to be Trump either. No. Um, angry woman. I don't care. She's got two uh, percent uh, Native American blood in her now that she has determined is true. Um, I don't care about that. She's not going to win. Um, Bernie Sanders. No. Who do the Republic? Who do the Democrats have? Nobody. So what are you going to do? We're going to get stuck with Trump again. I can't fucking put up with that. Yeah. I don't see how anybody can. So this is why I refuse to join the Democratic Party, even though, again, I vote for them. I vote for the candidate most likely to beat the Republican because I loathe the Republican Party and every single thing they stand for. Right. And whatever it takes to defeat them, I support 100%. So would you... That's it. Okay. Oh. So would you... What? You, what? Would you vote for what? Michael Avenatti? I don't even know who he is, but yes. Is he a Democrat? Is he, is he running against a uh, Wait a Republican? minute. No, let me tell you who he is. He's 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 Trump-like in his ability to fight, and he's oh. he was the uh, he's the attorney for Stormy Daniels. Oh 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 him! I know who you're talking about. Yeah 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 yeah. Sure, running against Trump. Sure, that'd be a fun fight actually. <laughs> it's scumbag lawyer versus a <laughs> scumbag Trump. Jeez. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, hell yeah, yeah, Michael Avenatti, of course I would. At this point, I'll vote for anybody who's running against Trump. I don't give a shit who it is. You can, you can run a can of you know, green beans against Trump, and I'll vote for the can. Anybody. Okay. But, but then again, the, the, the people that the Democrats put up really aren't a whole hell of a lot better than a can of beans, literally. <laughs> I mean, there's nobody. There's no leadership in the Democratic I Party. I totally hear you. I totally hear you. you, you That's why I refuse Two words. This is why I refuse to be a Democrat. Katie McGinty. <laughs> stupidest thing. Stupidest thing the Democrats in this state ever did. But there it that is. Seat was prime yeah, yeah. There it is. Katie, Katie fucking McGinty. McGinty. Yeah. Hey. Yep. Yeah. You're. You're. I. I love the call. Thank you. Call again. I'm in the middle of moving right now, so I'm a little edgy. So <laughs> I'll talk to you later, man. Thank you very much. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's see if we've got another caller there. Hello? Caller. Hello? Hello. 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 Hi. So, how long have you been on there? A long time? Oh, about 10. I don't know how long. Oh, okay. I right. listen through the phone, so I don't care. Okay. It doesn't matter. I agree with that uh, caller. Yeah, I'm registered Democrat, but I I was thinking about putting independent, but what does it matter? And I always vote Democrat, cause I, but I don't like them. No, I agree. I don't like most of them they put up. I, and Schumer, I'm not a big fan of him either. So I don't know who they're going to run either. I agree. But you, I wanted to go back to where you were talking about that Stephen Hawking. There was a scientist that said he totally disagrees with uh, Stephen Hawking about us having this uh, – you know, superhuman or whatever. He said, we're going to kill ourselves before that even happens. He said, we won't be, yeah, he said, we will not be around to even get into that. We're and so then messed he, up. Then he went back to the flying cars, which they always put on the popular mechanics, so we should be flying around with them right now. You see that that's not happening. You're still sitting in traffic. So I kind of agree with that. Okay. That's my assessment of the whole crap. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> well, let's continue the uplifting uh, conversation. I think we have another caller. Uh, caller, go ahead, please. 
Hello, Lynn. Yes. Hey, Lynn. Hello. Hello. Hey, good morning. Good morning to you. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> I considered commenting on Donald Trump's demented ramblings last night with Leslie Stahl, but you know the don't I, that would spare just suppress the both yeah, of the, right. the hell out of the really <laughs> spare us. Spare us. <laughs> but. That being said, by the way, first of all, I, I think your first caller was trolling you. Um, I think that was just sort of a provocative call. Uh, I, I doubt he's even a regular listener, but regardless. Uh, yeah, Eric Holder made a statement you know, about you know, if they go low, kick him. And, of course, the right is using that statement completely out of context, along with Hillary Clinton's statement about not responding with civility to Right. A party that has no regard for for, for opposition. Um, Eric Holder went on to say that you know he didn't mean in doing anything improper or illegal, and he's talking about simply being willing to get down and dirty, right? And you know right. battle it out um, and respond in kind to to some of the vitriol. Um, but you know, I always think about you know, let's flip the script. I, I when when I'm confronted with, you know, some of the stances taken by the right wing, I think flip the script. You know, how would how would it be if the political parties were reversed? And it would it would be well, you know a completely different situation. Even the so-called mainstream media would respond differently. And right. I was thinking, you know, like about the the ultimate example of this. Suppose it could be. Proved, and I don't think this is the case. Although I think this may have been, there may have been some actual tampering with votes in the last election, but I think mostly it was a propaganda interference effort, along with the, the hacking, okay, and the so. you know the release of embarrassing. But suppose it could have been demonstrated that actually, you know, um, Donald Trump didn't get the most votes, that the the, the that the the Russians actually switched votes. And you know, he wasn't actually the president. Mm. Now, of course, the Republicans would fight that tooth and nail. They'd dispute everything. But suppose it could actually be proved you know, just beyond any reasonable doubt. <laughs> a Democrat would, would then have – Well, a Democrat would step down, <laughs> right? Correct. But what you would then have is you'd, you'd have them saying, well, no, that's not enough. There's no remedy for this. You know, right. unless you can prove that Donald Trump himself knew. It wouldn't matter if Ivanka right. no. and Melania knew. No, no He'd it's have true. to be personally involved. Right, right. If no. you had him on tape, a videotape, then they'd say, well, but there's no, there's no, there's no evidence that Mike Pence knew about any of this. They'd, so, do it, they'd fight it all the way well, to, that's know, right. to the end. <clears throat> well, they have, uh, you know, they are, I've said for 30 years, they are shameless. And when you're shameless, you can take stances like that and uh, and not bat an eye. And Democrats are, you know, they're unfortunately better than that. And so, you know, Al Gore immediately stepped aside. Would If that had been reversed, Bush-Gore, right. uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not so sure the, a Republican, Bush or any, would have stepped aside. We have got never. Well, no, I know. So that's that's the big big difference. Hey, I got to run, but thank you. What Bye -bye. a flurry of calls. Thank you, thank you.
appreciate it. You might be right about the trolling. Um, what did I want to say? God dang it. I had a... I had a brilliant thought. Can't think of it. Barbara is throwing out some... Were, uh, Bar Michael Bloomberg. As a no way. Michael Bloomberg. He's another... New York billionaire. Now, granted, a New York billionaire can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with another New York billionaire, but Bloomberg, I'm sorry, no. Beto O'Rourke, I think he's got the makings. And um, he, a Beto uh, candidate against Trump would be interesting because he doesn't go low. He goes high so well <laughs> that it could be the contrast would, uh, you know, would be the way to go. I don't know. And uh, Mitch Landrieu, uh, what is he, the mayor, former mayor, or is he still the mayor of, of New Orleans? I've heard him. He's, yeah, he's sounds like a real guy. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> Um, but I know Elizabeth Warren is is gearing up, <coughs> and she can't. She can't win. Um, I frankly am put off by her uh, Native American thing. <laughs> I really am. I have been since day one. She's as Native American as any of us are. And I don't care what her fucking DNA says. Six generations back, there's a possibility of one. I mean, come on. You don't then call yourself a Native American to get into. Uh, we've all got, I mean, I, it just, there's something, I'm sorry, that really offends me about that. So I'm just saying, I don't like her. It's not to say I don't like a lot of what she says. I don't. I also don't think she's a, a strong speaker. She spoke at the uh, last Democratic convention, and I was expecting, you know, a firebrand. Meh. We've got to figure out in this new day and age of social media, television, and the fact that we very well might be running against this president. Um, we got to pick a candidate who can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. And I I don't know who the hell that is yet. But I think Beto O'Rourke either would be an interesting, but he might get his clock cleaned uh, November 6th with, by Cruz. And if that's the case, I don't know. I just don't know. We got time. Don't panic. We got time. Um, oh, yeah. So Barbara says, it's, it's akin to this. Uh, a company owned by House Majority Leader <coughs> Kevin McCarthy, uh, he's a Republican, obviously, uh, a company owned by his in-laws won more than s $7 million in a no-bid and other federal contracts based on a dubious claim of Native American identity by his brother-in-law. Um, 
a genealogist for the Cherokee Nation said it's a it's a very much a con. It's so disheartening to see this. There are so many abuses. Oh yeah, I mean without a doubt, without a doubt. And I'm sorry, you don't give Elizabeth Warren a pass for taking what was supposed to benefit Native Americans, not her, and using it to benefit herself. I think it stinks. <clears throat> Chuck writes, Lynn, your earlier caller, <coughs> excuse me, was talking about <coughs> how there is no leadership in the Democratic Party. We'll find out just how true that is if the Democrats win the House. Please tell me there is another option other than Nancy Pelosi for speaker. I don't know who it is, but we need a new face. Give the speakership to someone who has presidential aspirations. No, yeah, I don't think you want the speakership to go to someone with presidential aspirations. It's too much of a, I mean, ask Paul Ryan. I mean, it, it's very hard to enhance your uh, your leadership cred at being in that impossible position. Um, I do want to say that I do think they should find somebody other than Pelosi. Um, you gotta get out of the way and make way for young people. If I were a California voter, I would not vote for Dianne Feinstein this in November. I would not. <coughs> She's <coughs> not what she was. She's 86. She's like my voice. She's dying. <coughs> she, oh, that didn't make it worse. <coughs> I'm sorry, damn it. There, that helped. Um, yeah, you, you look at these old farts, and I'm sorry. Move aside. Step aside said the old fart. But I'm a youngster compared to her. And Pelosi. Pelosi was extraordinarily effective as a House Speaker. But she needs to step the fuck aside. Milton comes up with somebody who none of us know. She's the governor of Rhode Oh yeah. The governor of Rhode Island a small inconsequential state, if ever there was one, Gina Raimondo. Um, yeah, there's a lot of impressive women in these uh, positions, but I don't know if the governor of such a tiny state, jeez. Speaking of tiny states, another interesting thing about how the U.S. Senate is such, a, it's like the House of fucking Lords, only it's for uh, right-wingers. Right um, we've talked about how the Senate, by virtue of the fact that these small population states get two senators, just as California does or Texas does. So when it comes to the representation in the Senate, this very important body that signs off on all the judiciary and treaties and Stuff like that, very important body. Most Americans have very little representation in it because most Americans live in urban areas concentrated in a few states. 
Meanwhile, all these other states with very little population, I mean, I don't know, who, somebody I'm sure has done the math, it, that if you are a resident of Montana, um, your strength, your voting strength in the Senate, as opposed to someone living in California or Texas, okay? So someone uh, writes a very interesting piece in today's New York Times about this. Because the Senate also gives far more representation to white folks than to dark-skinned citizens. And that's obvious when you look at um, all those big square states out there in the West. Those are, all, those are blindingly white states. Black people and people of color live, again, in urban areas that get shafted totally in representation by the Senate. Here's another place where a whole ton of black and brown people, I'll give you two more places, Puerto Rico, they get no representation <laughs> in the Senate, even though they're, they're American citizens. Uh, Washington, D.C., overwhelmingly black population that has no representation. <sighs> okay. If you think about the four states that are the youngest states in the Union, they're Arizona, New Mexico, Alaska, and Hawaii. And believe it or not, those four states ha had to wait a long time to become states. You know why? Because they had a lot of non-white citizens. This country has historically been slow to grant full enfranchisement to people with darker skin. It's, and you know, if we ever have a Democratic Congress and a Democratic President, you could make Puerto Rico a state like that. All you have to do is vote Puerto Rico a state and have a president who signs it. And that would give a ton more representation to darker-skinned people. The results are incredibly outrageous of what we've got going on in the, in the Senate now. The Senate gives the average black American only 75% as much representation as a white American. That's sort of in keeping with what the founding fathers uh, had in mind anyway. The number for Asian Americans, Asian Americans only get 72%, and Hispanic Americans 55%, while white Americans get 100%. The Senate treats a Hispanic citizen as only about half as important, half as represented as a white citizen. Overwhelmingly white states, Wyoming, they get two senators. Vermont, they get two senators. North Dakota, South Dakota, there's no blacks in these. I mean, there's next to no people of color. Rhode Island, the aforementioned, that's what got me thinking about this. Montana, Maine, Idaho, Iowa, I can go on and on. Our system set up so that they could get enough of these small states to sign on to the creation of the United States of America. Uh, that's fine. That worked pretty damn well. They got the 13 and we got, you know, 
we got a country. It doesn't work anymore. And its reason for having this kind of setup definitely doesn't work anymore. And at some point, this country's got to get serious about having a constitutional convention. Uh, caller. Go ahead, please. Hey, Lynn, it's Mike in D.C. Hi. First, I moved out of D.C. to Virginia because I wanted representation in my government. Jeez. Wow. But that's not why I called. Okay. And granted, it's only seven miles, so it's not like moving to North Dakota. But that was the, one of the main reasons I moved to Virginia from D.C. was because yeah. I'm going to pay all these taxes. I want somebody to call. Well, taxation without representation. My God. That was what the Patriots said to go to war with England in the first place. And then we set up a system where the people of D.C., black, and the people of Puerto Rico, brown, are taxed without any representation. Excuse me. Go ahead. And how is that different than colonization? I don't know, frankly. I don't think there is a difference. That's not why I called. Okay. I called because of A.I., because I don't really see that there's a difference between um, maybe in degree of engineering a superhuman being, haha, Donald Trump and all the people with money, to what they have now than I have and you have. They already have excellent health care and never have to worry about it. They all have can get their kid into Harvard, even if he's Jethro Bodine. They have everything that – I could never have. Right. You know, and the, our genes are the same. So, big deal. They get better genes. Yeah. Because they already have everything better now, anyway. But the other thing they can have is they could not get diseases while we still do, and they could live uh, maybe twice as long. So they I say do. Dick Cheney. How is he still alive? So, they already still have that. <laughs> you don't think if Ebola came out. And was infecting people left and right that they wouldn't put all the rich people on some island on, you know, outside of Saudi Arabia and waited till everybody died. I hear you. All right. Yeah. So well, they listen, already have here's everything the that we thing. do. Just the... But here's the thing, Mike. Yeah, if you ask a person who's got a gazillion dollars, why do you keep making more money? You can never have enough. The mindset of that crowd is, gotta have more, gotta have more. You know why? Because there's always somebody else that they're in some, you know, pardon the expression, pissing contest with. They're greedy. They're greedy. They're insatiable. Right? Yep. And that may change or make it worse when they can change their DNA, but it's still that way now anyway. <laughs> I hear you. You try and get your kid who's as smart as the Jethro, Jethro Bodine into Harvard. <laughs> Never gonna happen. Who the hell is Jethro Bodine? Hello? Keep up the good fight. What? Keep up the good fight. Okay, thank you. Keep up the good fight. Thank Bye. you. Bye. <laughs> was that just a, a a name that he was making up? Jethro Bodine? Okay, I um, geez, you guys, I got callers lining up. Okay, go ahead, caller. Hey, Lynn, it's Jeff. 
Uh, Hi. Jethro Bodine was Jethro from the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, 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 uh, gotcha. Thank you. You mentioned Michael Avenatti. And to tell you the truth, and I know you'll, I'm guessing you'll disagree with me, I was really impressed with the guy. I saw him on a half-hour interview with uh, Evan Smith last week. Mm-hmm. And he is the kind of guy that will go toe-to-toe with somebody like Donald Trump. And as you mentioned before, that's what you need. And who would have thought four years ago Donald Trump is president? Ha, ha, ha. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look into the guy, I'd really be curious to see more uh, written interviews with him. But, you know, because he's kind of a funny-looking guy. He's not the most, uh, what do you say, photogenic. No. But in let's... terms of what he says, in terms of what he says, he's a straight shooter, and he's okay. really, really smart. Okay, but let me tell you something. Uh, you spoke as a guy. Women find Michael Avenatti attractive. Really? Yes. Well, then they'd find me attractive then. <laughs> <laughs> and they like his, yeah, that brash, brawling, take no prisoners, and he's smart as a whip. You can see that. He's smart as he, hell. He really is But there smart, is a kind of sleazoid uh, aspect to him, and obviously very ambitious. But you know what? When he says, I could go toe-to-toe with Donald Trump, he ain't kidding. I mean, he could. That's true. I don't know. Did, did you happen to see him last week on Evan Smith? No, I didn't, but I've seen him plenty, and he's impressive. His brain and his com- combative style. He's got the same kind of style as Trump. Well, that's just my two cents okay, from a guy I... who voted for Martin O'Malley in the, in the primary, because I was impressed with Martin O'Malley, too. But I think Martin O'Malley was just a little bit too sane for this country at this time. Exactly. So that, that's why I bring up Avenatti. Okay, so, thank anyways, you. Anyways, I love your show. Thank you. Take her easy. Thank you. I appreciate bye. the call. Uh, bye. And uh, we have another caller. Go ahead, caller. Is it me? Yes, it's you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting because I didn't notice, you know, with the lineup, you don't know if it's you or not. But I guess that beep is the clue when it goes okay. beep. I guess it is. I don't Two know. Things. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a beat that comes on. Okay. Um, for future people, real quick about um, uh, superhumans. Yeah. If you go far enough, the superhumans are going to only be who's left. <laughs> then they can start competing with each other. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. The, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you just go in the future far enough, they can make superhumans, and then there's going to be anybody but superhumans. Then the superhumans are going to start putting superhumans down. You have to have super duper humans. <laughs> um, about um, uh, representation, and I hate to <laughs> quote uh, what's that comedian Bill Maher. Yeah. And he was had a talk with I listened to a talk one time, and he pointed out something that I didn't notice. He said America is sort of like. Um, Iraq under Saddam Hussein, where one-third <laughs> of a group is ruling over two-thirds of a group. Right. And he, pulled a, he, he pointed out, you know, the numbers right. who vote for Democrats and Democrat people. The actual numbers <laughs> right. is like two-thirds believe in Democratic ideas and about a third believe, right. but they're, they're ruling. And yet yeah, we have no power. It. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> It shows a structural, yeah. a real structural problem with our so-called democracy, and it also shows uh, rigging 
of elections, um, I'm using the word sort of loosely, by uh, the Republicans, because that's the only way they can win. The way they can win. Right. Lies. Years ago, I was at a, you know, doing a character somewhere, and I saw this woman who had a little stamp put up reading this book, you know, uh, uh, 10 Steps to Becoming a Successful Entrepreneur, uh, to Becoming Successful. And I said, I could tell you how to do that in three. She said, hi. She said, how? I said, lie, cheat, steal. (laughs) 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 And be born to a white, a white. Rich family, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and even they got there by lying, cheating, and stealing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she was actually upset with the comment, but I said, yeah, I'm sorry, there's actually truth to that. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. <laughs> so anyway, thank you. Thank oh, by you. the way, where's the women callers? Women, can you call? There's been guys all morning, and I'm sick of it. <laughs> I hear you, and yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks. It's because you guys, you guys, you, you know, it's like mansplaining, right? And and the way you sit in buses and taking up two seats, three seats. Um, okay. I just want to say that something Susan had said last week, uh, there was a whole piece written about it in the New York Times uh, Week in Review and it's about the fact that when they say, well, women are angry. Women are going to save this country. Women are going to go to the poll. And, and the reality is, is that Trump enjoys amazing support of white women. So we were talking last week. Susan brought it up, and she's absolutely right. How for a lot of white women... Their whiteness really trumps their gender, their sense of sisterhood. Because sisterhood, being a woman doesn't give you power, but being white does. So of those, if you're a white woman, the thing that gives you power is the white. So they identify with those with power, and those are white men. And any woman who's, you know, been out there knows, and I I certainly do, it was a startling thing to have to learn when I first got into television way back in the 70s. Um, I assumed that there would be pushback from men to being a woman on television, and there was. They were very, but it was the women who came at me, yowie. Just unbelievable ugliness. So that told me something. Oh, (laughs) women don't necessarily help other women. They, in fact, ally themselves with the men. And this whole piece was about that. First of all, you have a lot of evangelical women who literally, through their religion, are raised to believe and never give up believing that in the Bible it says that a man is responsible for leading the household. And here's another quote from a woman who believes that. A woman, women are just too emotional. Like Brett Kavanaugh, yeah, that's emotional. And then 
Christine Ford was not, but of course, women, we know, are emotional. And uh, she says, I think it would be dangerous to have a woman in a position to potentially start a war. She is representative of 40 plus percent of women in this country. Uh, don't think women are any kind of a monolithic uh, voting block um, because it all comes down to an individual woman and which of her identities are more central to her sense of who she is. Uh, is it being a woman or is it being white? Is it being Christian or is it being Republican or Democrat? I mean, people individually choose these things. And, and there is something, uh, there's lots of studies done on sexism. And there's something, the, the most sexist you can be is put under a title of hostile sexism. And, you know, they can, they can rank people by how they answer certain questions on a scale. Uh, amazingly, uh, there are tons of Republican women who score so high on the sexism thing that they actually are considered hostile sexists. Uh, especially Republicans, especially low-income and evangelical women express much higher levels of hostile sexism than do women who define themselves as Democrats or as independents. And married women often tie their fates, of course, to their husbands. And so they take on their husbands' perspectives. And the 2016 election showed it. You had a woman running against this sexist pig. And astonishing number of women, white women, because black women sure didn't. If anyone's going to save us, it's black women. They identified totally more with Donald Trump because of his skin color and his gender than they did with Hillary Clinton. And a lot of those women who vote for Trump score really high on the hostile sexism uh, index. Um, and they've thrown it, you can say, well, they're making a calculation, which, I mean, you can probably understand. They're uh, clinging to the advantage of being white as compensation for the disadvantage of being a woman. And if you look at this data, there's just huge gaps between Republican women and Democratic women. So, even among Republican women who themselves been sexually harassed or even sexually assaulted, they shake that shit off. They say it doesn't matter. I, they're still hostily sexist. And they look at themselves as being just tougher. And 
anyway, a survey of female, likely female voters in, in the election coming up found that the issues most important to Republican women and those to Democratic women just are totally different. Democratic women rank gender equality among their top political priorities. Republican women, it ranked the lowest of all gender equality. I mean, they didn't even, they thought, what? <laughs> no. Immigration. Terrorism. So, there's that. I gotta go! I actually do. It's uh, Time's up, I gotta go. Wow, that was like a record for white male callers. Clarence saving it at the end there uh, for not being a totally uh, white out. Uh, thank you all. I'll be here tomorrow with my aforementioned sister, Susan. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers. <laughs>